Ladies and gents, welcome to Next Level Radio. I am your host, Colby Wartman, and our mission is to tackle the biggest questions in strength and conditioning, business, investing, and everything in between. We bring to you the best people in every sector so that you, the listener, can benefit and learn from the best in the biz. Whether that is S&C or business, you can rest assured you're getting the best knowledge available. Next Level Radio continues to grow because of our listeners and our sponsors. Today, we present to you Fat Fish Brewing, the official beer of Next Level Radio. Whether you're looking for a night out with family or smashing the best craft beer in the area, you'll find it all at Fat Fish. Check out Fat Fish Brewing on Villard Street in Dickinson or check out their website at www.fatfishbrewing.com. Our next sponsor, Nutridyne, a medical supplement company aimed at enhancing performance and addressing the underlying issues of disease. You will be hard-pressed to find the quality that you'll find at Nutridyne. Listeners of this podcast get 20% off all supplements. Just go to at coach underscore Wartman and click the Nutridyne link in our bio. Keep up with us on Instagram at coach underscore Wartman on our website, nl-training.com or keep up with us on the next episode of Next Level Radio. Now sit back, relax, and take in the mind-melting knowledge of this episode. Welcome, peeps, to the newest episode of Next Level Radio. We have a repeat offender on the podcast here. Um, you guys, we, we've talked multiple different conversations, multiple different topics, uh, because one, he has the knowledge base to do so. And two, we are both genuinely curious people. And, uh, this conversation comes out of a need in our strength and conditioning industry. And, uh, we're going to really get into the nitty gritty behind speed work. It's, specifically acceleration work and even into our uh, just general change of direction. So um, good buddy, fellow block one, uh, Darren Hansen. I will have you uh, introduce yourself a little bit, brother. Let's go. All right. My name is Darren. Uh, I own Hansen Athletic. Uh, if you guys don't engage with us on social media, go ahead and do that now. We try to put out some informational content for the peeps that follow us. Uh, we're a facility in Idaho. Pocatello, you probably never heard of it. Look it up. Pocatello, Idaho. Um, yeah, so we got we got a facility. We train a lot of uh, athletes, mostly middle school, high school, uh, a growing college population of people that are in school here at Idaho State, the local university, um, and kids preparing to go play college somewhere yep. that are from here. Um, yep. We train people on the internet and do all that, and uh, yeah, so very cool. Um, Things have transpired since even the last time we've talked, uh, getting to get into a new facility. Um, you're also your perspective on solely strength training and then really getting that, uh, that limiting factor of sprint work, change of direction, top end speed. And so this, this conversation comes out of that need that we're talking about. And, um, in the last few, probably six to eight months, I have really found that, there's a disconnect in strength and conditioning, and you can speak to this even better than I, that um, we have strength guys and we have sprint guys, but there's very few 
guys that can really teach both at a high level. And I think you're trying to, uh, trying to break into that industry, being able to teach them both very high level. So, uh, kind of get into a little bit of like, how has your perspective switched from even 365 days ago into what can we do to better the athlete optimally? Yeah, you kind of hit it on the head in terms of, uh, I come definitely from that bias, that strength side, right? So, um, we were doing a really good job with the strength work. Um, and I, I wouldn't say I was like noticing a problem because I don't think I was aware enough yet, but I was just starting to take in more content from some speed guys. And I was like wondering, you know, how does this fit into what I'm doing? Um, my athletes are out sprinting and running all the time. Am I able to actually coach them effectively? Um, so I started diving into that. So probably for the last year and a half, I've been doing courses and practicing it. And obviously anybody that coaches knows, like I still feel very, uh, intermediate to like a new person like it just takes a lot of time to kind of really dial it in especially with sprint training because there's like a lot of little things to look at and it's happening really fast um but i found some good mentors along the way um one of them's les spellman so if you don't follow him go follow him but dude so we we track like injuries with athletes um and overuse injuries issues kids are having like we kind of keep a good mental note and track uh, with our athletes and we have about 160 coming in right now um, and last year we had uh, a lot of shin splints rolled ankles just like little stuff like that okay so not no like acute injuries I think we were doing a pretty good job still at um, preparing them to not blow out their knees they were stronger they were more capable they were jumping higher all of that but um, in the last like nine months we've started implementing a lot more prehab work that includes like i would just call them like mini collisions so a lot of pogos sprint sprint prep work like uh, marches and bounds and single leg hopping and uh, all kinds of just all kinds of stuff like that where we're actually training that lower leg and the ankle complex um, getting kids up into their to work through their forefoot rather than a lot of kids heel strike uh, overreach when they're running and dude we like knock on wood but we seriously have like almost eliminated even ankle sprains. Like wow. we don't really have a lot of ankle. Obviously you can't control like if somebody lands on somebody, but we haven't had really any, we have no acute injuries. We have very minimal cases of shin splints and like knee pain. And we haven't had any acute injuries at all. And I, I attribute a lot of that to like get it. We're getting reps every day of training that, that lower leg complex. Cause I think what we were doing was we were getting kids stronger, bigger, um, which is also heavier, right? But then we weren't preparing them uh, in a way through the lower leg to actually, A, express that athletically, express, like performance-wise, like express their new strength because there was a, a chink in the armor per se. And also they might they were more prone to getting some of those issues just because they can't control that body weight. Uh, they don't have good mechanics, all kinds of things. So I think we just had a huge disconnect. And uh, every kid that comes in for an assessment, most of them run very poorly. And I think as a society, we just expect everybody to know how to run because they play sports. But I would say like not like 10% of the kids that come in are naturally good runners and the rest are really poor. Yeah. So I, uh, I found with my background in, uh, at Dickinson state, they did a lot of what, and I like that term, mini collisions, um, very, high intensity, low impact plyometrics. Um, we would do like your four square, um, setups and you're doing a lot of that 
either as a plyometric series or definitely exactly how you guys are programming it in that prehab, that prep work prior to. And this time of year, and you know just as well as I, this time of year, those shin splints issues, and then as we progress into track and field, really start to become very apparent. And uh, I, I know just off the top of my head, probably six or seven athletes that I know that are continually battling that. And I mean, we're doing a lot of uh, posterior with calf work, but also um, tib work and really making sure that they can handle very many collisions all the way through. Because as soon as you get on that hardwood and as soon as the shin splints start, it's very hard to get those um, healed up before game time, you know? And uh, yeah. so I, the, the reason why I reached out, um, you and I have been talking a little bit about what I want to take as a stance, what I want to um, start diving into to start learning this because again, you and I aligned very similarly. My, my, my cup of tea was the strength work and um, it, it lends to, I was talking to uh, uh, the Denver Broncos speed coach, Lauren, and he just talking about there is this strength guys and speed guys. And if we can really marry the two, I think we're, I think we're doing the best thing for our athletes. And so I, uh, I'm very interested in kind of how you guys are progressing through your speed work. What, um, if you have a newbie that comes in a newbie athlete, what is their process as you go forth to actually expose them to speed work, acceleration work, X, Y, and Z? Yeah. So all our kids come in and do an assessment. And in that assessment, we, uh, break down, but we do some running on the true form and some testing. Uh, there in video and then we teach the kids show them and then we kind of we can get a good baseline there after some jumping and running like if they have weaknesses in the lower leg they're not able to be they're not in good positions they don't understand how to run um, and then from there it comes down to well let me backtrack and that's why we've invested in output sports which we haven't really started implementing yet but we're going to be able to test uh, a couple different factors like rsi and um, for people that don't know it's like Basically, just dumbing down, it's the ability for the athlete to absorb a load and, and redirect it quickly um, and also stay in, like, a good position. So you'll see a lot of athletes, when they land, let's say they land on their forefoot and they're weak, they'll drop to their heel and then they'll raise back up into their toes and complete the movement. When you have athletes that are a little more capable and stronger, typically these are your lighter athletes, too, that naturally are good at this. They're able to absorb that load with the foot, keep a stiff ankle, reverse directions without that heel dropping to the floor. Okay, so we kind of look into that, and then from there, uh, we do one-on-ones with all our athletes, and then we'll start to, we'll teach them right away. We'll teach them switches, pogo. We'll do pogos. Uh, obviously, over time, we progress how many pogos we do. Um, we'll start lower, but yeah, we just kind of implement all these drills and teach them to them, and then scale them over time and do intensity. But I would say we work on um, acceleration stuff like right away, like trying to get the athlete to understand how to project horizontally. Um, and also to get them when they run, to get them in more into a uh, favoring the front side mechanics versus the, the back side. Uh, a lot of athletes are stuck immediately in like a backside mechanic where their hips are dumped out. Uh, I would say ribs are flared and feet are uh, actively cycling very far behind them. And then that turns into an overreach and a hill strike. So, and I think part of that strength, right? So that's where that strength comes in. Like, is your athlete able to maintain a good trunk position. So this is how the dead bug carries over to the sprint. Can they maintain a nice active position, neutral back? And then do they have hip flexor strength and core strength to be able to pull their leg up quickly? 
and drive back into the ground, uh, back and behind them. So we assess all these things. And then um, I would say there's not like any special thing we do for the new people other than they start in a very slow, controlled manner. Um, and we keep the reps pretty low mm-hmm. and we start working on that stuff and then really help them conceptualize what it should feel and look like. And then once they get into a group, then it's like we don't have as much control of, of uh, one-on-one, right? But we're able – our groups are pretty small, so we're able to keep coaching them through that. But I'd say the big thing is, like, getting kids to feel and understand uh, what it actually feels like to, like, use the force you have and turn it into a productive horizontal force when we're talking about um, acceleration. Yeah. So that's the big thing first. Get them to understand what it should look like. Nobody's ever taught them how to run. Uh, where they should be in their foot when they hit the ground um, and whatnot. And we spend way more time on acceleration, I would say, than top end for the majority of the time. So we'll do a lot of plyometrics and acceleration are biased just because we talked about this earlier before we recorded, but 90% of athletes, like the top end is very minimal in sport, right? Like bat- think about basketball, like no, no top end whatsoever. It's all acceleration, deceleration. Mm-hmm. Even football, like you run your play, and maybe maybe that one time a game you catch that that you know eighty yard touchdown pass where you sprint down the sideline as fast as you can. Yeah. But that's it's so rare. Right? Like look at volleyball. Volleyball. Yeah, volleyball. You never never top end. It's just like one two step jump. You yeah. know, it's like. So I would say majority of sports we train, unless they're a pure track athlete, um, really our most of our focus is on acceleration, and even like the the lower end sprinters, like the hundred meter. Like the acceleration is, is going to be most likely likely what separates them. Like once you start talking about 200, 400, then that's maybe a little bit different conversation. But yeah. like your short sprints, 60, 200, I mean, they're not really, yeah. It's all about that acceleration and transition phase and not as much about the top end. For sure. How fast, and I always tell people, the rate of force development, the maximal amount of force and the minimal amount of time. And that's, I mean, that's coming yeah. out of the blocks in nature. Um, and I, I know this answer um what you're going to give, but I want all the listeners to kind of, kind of hear it as well. And, uh, in the last few years, you, I, and the block one network, and even vastly outside of that have had a emphasis on lower limb, specifically ankle and foot, um, work. And so when you, when you have a kid, um, that you're trying to get to be a better sprinter and accelerate better, what is the limiting factors that you're seeing right off the bat? Um, and again, we're talking a lot of the lower limb. So what what are those limiting factors that makes the good to the best sprinters? Uh, I would say first off is just the overall strength, right? So the ability to keep a stiff ankle under load. Um, and then number two is the biggest limiting factor is a lot of kids come in with really tight, tight. They come in with ankles that, you can tell they sit a lot and they don't do a lot of running. They don't have good mobility, um, which can go both ways. Like we have some kids that are that way that utilize it well, but then they, they, cause they can have like kind of like a, I would just call it like a false stiff ankle. Like it's stiff, but it's not cause it's strong. It's just because it's limited in range of motion. Mm. Um, and then they start doing some weird movement patterns. They'll turn their toes out super hard. Um, they're just, I, I would just say they are at a higher risk of injury, even though they're performing. Okay. Um, so the first thing is like opening up those ankles, getting them strong, getting the foot strong. A lot of kids have worn shoes, like really shitty shoes their whole life. Their toes are stuck together. They have no control of spreading out their toes using their foot. Um, so kind of starting from scratch on like 
like teaching these kids that your feet are important and this is what you need to do. So every day they come in, uh, our kids roll out their feet on PVC pipes. That's like their first thing. Like we don't have to say anything. It's just what they do. So they come in, they take their shoes off, we roll out their feet. Uh, we do some, co- we do some, uh, I'll say cocky walks. Most people, we, we walk on our toes, we walk on our heels. Uh, we, we get into the pogos and stuff barefoot. Um, but the, the limiting factors would be range of motion and strength. I would say is like the first thing that you have to start to work through. Um, but I would say like a year ago, I would say like, that's why we do active foot squats. We do uh, knee over toe stuff with our heel raise. But I do think now that like those are good, but you also have to add in those dynamic like plyometric stuff, like more, more than you, I was way more than I thought I needed to before. Yeah. Um, this brings up a good point. I was, I was going to bring up to, uh, one of my mentors, one of the best speed coaches, um, in the world, very good friends with Cal Dietz and, uh, my, my mentor, uh, coach Leno, I got to learn under him here at Dickinson state. And he was one of the pioneers in athletic Republic treadmills, um, getting in advanced into universities. And, uh, he does, he has his own force plate company and all these things. And, he broke it down for me. We were kind of getting into the weeds, talking strength training, talking all these things. And he said, Colby, it all boils down to, can you replicate high speed eccentric loading with a barbell? And the answer is no, you can't mimic exactly what you need in any type of sprinting, acceleration, anything, unless you are full on sprinting. Um, That's the only time we can really get full um, eccentric loading. And, uh, so again, just because we're talking the speed side doesn't mean we're, we've completely abandoned the strength work. It has its place, but you just brought up a great point. Like, yes, knee over toe stuff is great. Yes. Um, active foot squatting is great, but it's not dynamic. We're not, we're not truly mimicking the demands that they are going to go through. And so, um, one thing that can be that bridge. And again, it's, it's, it's a tool, right? It's not, it's not the end all be all is when when compensatory acceleration clicks in an athlete's brain and i always tell my athletes i can see it when when an athlete really clicks and knows that i don't need to just get from point a to point b i need to get from point a to point b as fast as i can um when that clicks i i see a completely different athlete um and at that point we can really start getting into high speed sprinting high speed plyometrics high intensity plyometrics that that tool right there just is a very good bridge into both the strength and the speed world. And it, it, it's helped me a lot being able to voice that to these athletes because as soon as the, as soon as it clicks, it's a different athlete. Yeah, I, I really like how you brought up so I was gonna say that is I was like thinking about this the other day in the shower, which is where I have my best thoughts. shower or right before bed. I, I was just thinking like two years ago, a year ago, like I always thought of all these things as like tools in your arsenal. Right. But I always, I would have argued like tooth and nail that strength was, I, I didn't like, I didn't ever look at it as a tool. Right. I was like, this is like, this has to be the majority of the session. This is what is creates athletes, yada, yada, yada. But now I think I've, I've made progress in my ability to coach athletes as a whole, because I can step back now and be like, I can, I see it as a tool rather than like an end all be all. You know what I'm saying? So, like, mm-hmm. I'm like, it helps me be more uh, aware of when I went on programming, how much time I'm spending on each thing. Like, 
It used to be like we would come in, warm up, do a little bit of stuff, and we spent 45 minutes lifting. Some days now we spend 15 minutes lifting. Like we'll do all kinds of different stuff based on the day, and then we'll come in and we'll, we'll still get a little bit of strength in, but it'll be for that session it's not it's not the, the main priority, right? And and two years ago you would have never seen that, ever. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I was, yeah, there's no way. So I've started to see it more as a tool and I've got some athletes in high school right now that are older that like strength now for them, like this is select few, but they're past, they're like, they're past where they need to get stronger. Really? Like if I've got a kid hex bar deadlifting 600 for five squatting 440 in high school on a bar, like a back, a back squat front squatting like 315 plus. So like, Really, we need to start getting into more unilateral stuff. We need to get into more of the sprint work. Like, we need to – like, they're strong enough. Like, they're stronger than most college athletes. Yep. So, it's like – and they're probably stronger than a lot of pro athletes. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, how do we create these adaptations now that will suit them? But they're, they've hit that prerequisite of strength, and, that, and that's when you can start playing around with, like, what do we actually need to get better at, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I, I probably would have been on the same boat a year, two years ago where I didn't know if the answer was, is there strong enough? And you, you know, I, th- I think it was always this, uh, chasing this dragon, keep on, just keep on linear progressing or DUP yeah. or whatever you want to progress with. But, um, I, I know there's a few high level strength and conditioning coaches in the track world that, um, that half the time they're not even going over 1.5 times body weight for sprinters. Because we, they, yeah. they, their philosophy is we need to be able to sprint one time or we need to be able to produce one times body weight as fast as we can. And uh, th- I, I see that side as well, but I also, I also am, am steeped, steeped in the strength world. And so it's hard for me to completely abandon that. And I don't think we should, um, but that, that gives us that good blend. And uh, ha- have you had a, have you had a good, um, a good buy-in with these kids as you have transitioned from generally strength work into how you're progressing now. Like you, you, I, I listened to a podcast, you're doing 20 to 30 to 40 minutes of patterning acceleration work and then getting into strength. Um, have you had a good buy-in with that? Yeah, honestly, I would say like, yeah, I think all our kids that have been with us previously, um, there, I mean, we have such a good environment. It's hard to, like, explain, but when you're, like, in there with the coaches and the kids, it's such a good environment. Like, we've always been super – they just trust us a lot. Like, they're, they, we've never even been asked a question about it. Like, they just do what we ask them to do, which is awesome. But I would actually say, as like, I at first, like two years ago, I hated this, right? How, like, sprinting and all this – this stuff looks sexier, right? Like, it looks sexier. Um so I would say the new kids coming in and like people watching us, like we've grown faster since we started implementing this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because it's like, it's stuff that people want to do. Cause that's usually what gets posted because people like to watch it. Like sprinting is sexy and jumping is sexy and it's fun to watch the human body, like express power and stuff like that on like a deep level. I don't think most people that watch that stuff and like it know it's because it's just like a form of art. Right. But it's like, yeah, we've had, we've had no problem with the transition of kids we've had. People are buying in. Um, like I said, some of our older kids, like we'll also write them some programming they can do um, at the school gym so that, so they can do a little bit more strength work. And we keep most of the dynamic stuff with us. 
Um, so they're still getting like that. If they want more, they can get more. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they feel like they're not doing as much lifting, but yeah, we've had a ton of buy-in. Kids, kids love doing it. We make games out of the change of direction. We make games out of, we make kids race. Kids love racing. Like it's just really engaging for the kids. So I, I don't, we haven't had any issue with like the transition and we've always been open with like the parents, like I'll send out emails, uh, just like updating them on like where we're at, what we've learned, like kind of, cause we're, we're like, I'm not ever, we're not ever cemented like in one place. And I think that's very powerful for us is like, I, me, like I know I'm learning every day and I know my other coaches are reading articles, listening to smart people on the internet, uh, testing things on themselves. Like we're all just tr- continuing trying to like take pieces and make our best formula, which is what every coach has done. Like nobody's inventing this stuff. It's like, we got to find out what works best for our population, our market, and the type of athletes that we are typically getting and make like the best formula for them and continue to learn. So I think we do a really good job on that. Like we're all really, none of us are like set in like a dogma state mindset where it's like, this is what we did a year ago. This is what we're going to do. This is what works. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's, let's find new things. Let's learn. Let's test things on ourselves before we ever use one of the kids see if we think it makes a difference or not, and then go from there. Like, we're not going to just, like, grab something off and just throw it in immediately, but we're always open to, like, having those conversations with ourselves and others and figuring out what what fits where and if it's actually effective or it's just kind of a waste of time. Yeah, I think, and I just thought about this, just kind of popped in my head. I think it's a leg up, and I think it's the evolution of – the strength and conditioning coach as well, because nothing against you and I have had a very in-depth conversation about CrossFit, but you and I, um, we, we have that background, but if you look at it now, it's this, it's almost this one up and this evolution because in the CrossFit world, like you're, you're not paying attention to sprint technique. You're not paying attention to the actual performance side of it. And this, this builds the argument and the data points for, the difference between strength and conditioning and CrossFit um, as a whole. Because, again, I struggle, and I continue to struggle today, and this is the whole reason why I reach out to you um, as a mentor and to learn, because I feel that there is sometimes that I am very stuck in my ways, uh, stuck in the strength ways, stuck in these traditional modalities that have been tried and true, but they're also not the end-all, be-all. And so I think it's yeah. this, I think it's this thing that can help set aside Hanson athletics by itself, but good strength coaches as a whole, if this, instead of being within a, um, curriculum of CrossFit to be the best, biggest engine at specific X, Y, and Z, we need to look at the adapting athlete and how we can, how we can better serve them. And so that's the whole reason why I reached out, man, because I, I think there's something to this. And I really do. Um, if, uh, and this is a selfish question and for other people that want to learn, I talked about, uh, less is pillars of strength. I brought that up to you or excuse me, pillars of speed. And if, if somebody wants to start diving into this, because I've had a background with the athletic Republic side too, but I want to keep continuing where, where do they start? What's a good, good place to start education wise. Uh, yeah, I think I think you want to bring in like a couple different sources. So like one I like he he's got some courses I haven't done them, um, but he's 
on Instagram and he puts a lot of good stuff out. His name's Derek Hansen and yeah. no, he's not related to me. But I call him <laughs> uncle. I'll like send him DMs like, Hey uncle, he thinks it's hilarious. What up, uncle? So I'll send him Yeah, so I'll send him some videos of me running and I'll ask him questions and so I probably I plan on doing his courses soon, but like I've been really drawn to Les just because he's grown he's really good at social media. He's grown a ton over time, like over the last year and the way he coaches um, I like a lot. Like he'll like with speed stuff, it's really easy to throw a bunch of cues out, but then immediately your athlete has a drop in performance, right? Because if your your athlete's thinking about all these things, when they're trying to sprint, they're not going to sprint 100. Mm-hmm. percent And that goes the same with barbell, right? You give a kid a cue, give him two cues, and tell him to max out. Like it's going to change the way he does that and potentially drop that drop that weight. So um, he does a really good job at like letting a whole rep happen even if it's not beautiful and then delivering like a one or two word cue feedback and making something very complex simple right and i think he does that across the board with his courses is you can tell he's a master of what he does because you can find he also puts out a lot of data and research and does the in-depth science side of speed and he's talking about it a lot but those are separate videos of like him actually coaching it and uh and the way he teaches it in the course is like he simplifies everything a lot so that coaches can kind of grasp onto the important concepts and begin to see that with their athletes so he's taken a lot of information and made it really simple and then as you kind of start to understand that he also has that wide array of available information that dives deeper once you're ready for it but i think a lot of times people try to start way too deep and then they show up and they try to coach their athletes with something they learned and they drop 15 cues and try to explain mm-hmm. the science behind it. And then you just confuse like a high school kid. It's like, it's not, it needs to be simple. Right. And obviously people know, most people know, like when somebody has mastered something, they're able to explain it in the most simple ways and cue in the most simple ways. Like you'll know somebody that actually understands what they're doing by the way that they convey it to people. Like it'll be very calm. It'll be very simple. And that's usually someone that really knows what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. When somebody's trying to like drop all these stats on you and confuse you and like push you into a hole and just give you a ton of information, they're usually a little un- uncomfortable with it themselves, in my opinion. So. They can't they can't condense it, and that that's in every industry, every every aspect. Yeah, that's life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure, dude. Um, I know you have to get going to some PT here soon. Uh, but selfishly, another question for you. Um, as it, when the athletes walk in, you talk about, um, you're, you're doing some, some rolling on the feet, getting the arches, getting the foot, um, pliable and getting it ready to move. And then you're looking at, uh, some high intensity, low impact pogo jumps, cycles, X, Y, and Z. So walk me through, um, a regular day of, prep work getting up into that uh that that acceleration work and then you're on to strength okay yeah so right now we have kids that come in we'll just prep it with this we have kids that come in two two or three times a week some of our older kids come in four to five so the strength work, work will look a little different but i'll talk through the process so they'll come in and weekly so they'll come in roll out their feet and then every week we change we have like a little prehab work so we try to get the glutes firing. We try to get the lower body opened up in the hips. So right now, this week, they're coming in. They're doing glute bridges, uh, body weight glute bridges with an isometric hold on the last rep for 20 seconds. They're doing um, the Spider-Man work. 
and they're doing uh, some rotational stuff. So they'll, the name is slipping me for some reason, but they'll lay on their belly. Oh, scorpions. So then they'll lay on their bellies, roll their legs oh, around, yep. open up their hip, hip flexors. Uh, hip flexor. So we pick three or four movements, um, and we put that, and that's for the week. And we actually assign a leader for that part. So we started to ask the kid, okay, kids come in, roll their feet. Ansley, you're going to lead this today with the group. So we're giving the kids a little bit of ownership over their warm-up. Okay. So they come in, they do that stuff while we're finishing up with other clients. And then we go, and then we start to work into the, the mini. So we'll do pogos and dribbles typically is a good combination. So we'll work on low dribble, high dribble, or low, medium, high. So they'll, they'll do pogos on one side. They'll work on dribbling, which is all like a patterning drill, uh, teaching those front side mechanics. So we'll do that almost every day. So they'll come in, pogos, dribbles. We'll start to do some uh, lighter plyometric stuff, um, some hopping, and then we'll start doing bounds, and we'll get into a little more intense. And then based on the day's focus, we'll have typically an acceleration day and a change of direction day for sure. Um, so that's when we start to get into. They're pretty warmed up at this point. Uh, the warm-ups, by the time they're done with our with our with that part, those couple things, the kids are sweating. So they're ready to move. So we move into some lower intensity reps, like kind of like walk-through reps of whatever the change of direction drill is or whatever acceleration stuff we're trying to do. Typically, that's going to look like we might move into bands and do like a banded kneeling start. We might do uh, like a baseball, stealing a base type starts, so like a crossover step. Um, we'll just start them in different positions. And, and I talked to Matt, the other block one, Matt Erdeman. Mm-hmm. I think he's a genius. So we've been working a lot on static positions because that you got to master that first. So like starting them in a kneeling position, uh, just putting them in positions, uh, push-ups, starts, stuff like that. So static so that they can build strength in those reps. Um, so we'll finish that. We'll do that. Um, so it's either an acceleration or a change of direction, and then we'll move into strength. And by this time, we probably have like 20, 25 minutes. Uh, we bias our three main moves right now we're focused on in, our, in this cycle, our front squat. and a bulgar. So we'll do a front squat, a unilateral, and we'll change up the unilateral. Um, and then we'll, we'll every week we'll switch between trap bar deadlift and RDLs. So we'll, we'll flip the pulling just so – Obviously, the RDL is going to load a little bit different than a trap bar. Trap bar is going to mimic a little bit more of a squat pattern. Um, so those are like our main lifts. So like I said, front squat, and we're going to ask the grass on the wedges. Uh, ideally, if we can get kids off the wedges, that's good. And then we'll mix in a unilateral element into that. And, yeah, so those are our main moves. We don't really back squat much. Uh, it just looks it usually looks shitty. Um, kids have a harder time with the back squat. Um, that, and also there's perks to the front squat in terms of trunk position and, and overall trunk engagement and what we want them to carry over to the sprint, um, I think is a little bit more, uh, the front squat carries over that a little bit better and you get more of a knee over toe position. Um, but yeah, we don't ever, like we never pull a deadlift with a straight bar with our athletes really. Mm-hmm. Um, which I haven't found any issues with. I mean, I think we don't have any back problems, which a lot of gyms do. If you can cue it effective, if you can cue the trap bar effectively and not make it squatty or, um, yeah. you're, you're getting all the benefits with less risk. Yeah. So th- those are like our main strength movements and then we'll change up the accessory and stuff. But typically like some days, dude, we get done and we just take it into like our, with our older athletes, we take it into a front squat with uh, actual like plyometric and then an assisted plyometric so it's kind of like a French. triphasic type of we'll do like a triphasic type of uh influence i wouldn't call it like true triphasic but um we'll take that we'll say okay lift this fast 
get over here, jump, body weight. Okay, let's load it a little bit and then let's unload it, right? Let's, let's accelerate it. So we'll just combo movements like that. Um, and so far that, that's been like, we've been getting the best results with, with that. So we're actually spending less time lifting, but I, I feel like we're getting more done with teaching the athlete how to move quickly. Yeah. Um, and our kids are still getting stronger. Like we never do one reps. Uh, most of our kids do sometimes two, but mostly we do threes and fives. Um, with our kids, the newer kids do fives. We've got that like from power athlete type linear program. And then our in-season kids, we're doing threes. Um, and obviously cueing them, keep this lighter, move fast um, type of thing. So based on when their game days are. But that's it. Come in. A lot of prep work. We'll probably spend 15, 20 minutes on what I'd call prep work. Um, we'll mix in for the two days. So the kids are doing two days a week. After the change direction work, I'll get them on the true form. So I'll give them a couple opportunities to open it up all the way on top end because we don't touch top end as much. So we try to get them on there once a week and do sprints. And we'll do like timed ones either five to 15 seconds, 15 seconds being like the longest um, for full sprint work. And uh, yeah, that's kind of it. It's, it's pretty simple really. Um, but yeah, kids come in and they know kind of what we're expecting and what it's going to feel like that day. And we're able to get after it. So yeah, sprint fast and move some weight. That's uh yeah. And jump and jump dude. Yep. Like, and a lot of people, like I think two years ago I would have shied away from jumping cause I'm like, Oh man, they're like they're playing basketball, like they're already jump because like right now we have a ton of athletes in basketball. Yep. Uh, they're you know they're already jumping, they're already doing all this stuff. We should cut it out, but uh, I don't think that's the case anymore. Like obviously we keep the intensity lower um, because they already are getting a lot of full speed reps jumping, but uh, I think it's important to keep just keep that conditioning up with that. And then we don't really condition them in the gym often, especially during season because we hear all the time, like whether right or wrong, like I wish that basketball coaches would just play basketball and teach them basketball concepts and do basketball drills. But every time one of them comes in, they're like, yeah, they made us run at the end. We did ladders, suicide, yada, 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 yada. So they're, so they're already, they're already like trying to condition them. So I have to just remember my role in, in all of this. And I only get them, I only get them for best, like three hours a week. Sometimes most kids like an hour and a half a week. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what can I do that's the most effective in that time? And also I have to realize they've had, you know, two basketball games that week, five practices. Homework. Some of them are doing another club sport. Like I got girls right now that are indoor soccer and volleyball. And so it's like they're practicing three hours a day already twice a week at these different sports. So I just have to, it's really, you have to make that big picture. And I think as a new coach, I wasn't very good at that. I thought like everything I was doing, like my stuff was priority and I didn't need to be aware of what everybody else was doing. But now I'm very aware of, I'm have relationships with almost all the coaches in town. I try, I try to ask them their practice schedule. Like we try to fit everything in that we think will make the most adaptation, but also not create a liability for the athlete because they're doing too much. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, for sure. It's uh kind of what I'm going through too with a lot of my college kids. I've, I've had quite a bit of college kids, uh, girls, basketball, boys, basketball, <clears throat> And that schedule's rigid, man. Um, you know how it is. There, yeah. I mean, they're playing a ton of games right now, and we're into the stretch mm-hmm. of the end of the season, and it, it gets to be a lot. So um, definitely coordinating that. Uh, last thing, too, um, sprinting, strength work, and then what I got also from Woodski is high-velocity throwing. Um, that's yeah, the throwing. only thing. That's the only thing that can get as close to sprint work 
as we're looking at, you know, it, it supersedes the barbell. It supersedes everything. Um, so yeah, I know, uh, I know you got to get boogieing, um, for people that, uh, don't follow you and everything. Where can we find you on social, my brother, my man? Oh, dude, everywhere. <laughs> so we got, uh, Hanson Athletics, obviously on Instagram, um, Facebook. We have a podcast. We got a blog, a website, HansonAthletics.com. Uh, Twitter, I think it's actually under Coach D. Hanson because somebody made a Hanson Athletics account in 2012 and hasn't posted Ooh. on it once. Yeah, I've sent him all kinds of messages, but no response. I'm pretty sure they don't even have the app. Damn. So, uh, Coach D. Hanson on Twitter. Um, but if you type in Hanson Athletics, it's also as my name. So, like my name in my profile, so it'll probably pop up. Um, yeah, you can find us there. You can just hit our website. We, sit, we do a lot of things. We got, obviously, online fitness programming, individualized programming. Uh, we sell coffee, which helps our scholarship program for kids that are coming to our gym that can't afford it. Um, we do a couple things. I'm about to come out with a mark, like a social media webinar type of deal, pre-recorded for pretty cheap. So just trying to give people direction on, you know, they're trying to start a business that's applicable to everything and not just the gym. So, yeah. Um, yeah, just, just find us. If you ever need help, just send a message. Dude. You know, right. I feel like both of us are always open to anybody who wants to reach out and needs help. For sure, man. We've been there. We've been yeah. there, man. I, uh, I appreciate the time. Uh, you're going to be hearing from me like you always do, but we'll, uh, we'll keep hammering away, giving the athletes what they need. Um, again, I appreciate the time. I learned a lot through this, so I hope everybody else can, uh, reach out, find some, uh, some resources to help us help the athlete. So for sure. All right, brother, you, uh, All right. you get well. I appreciate your time, man. Yep. You're the man. <laughs> All right. Easy. That is it for next level radio peeps. Check out Darren and we will see you guys next week.